If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome from Mayflower United Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We offer you a warm welcome to those joining us both in person and online. This week, uh, we will observe Indigenous Peoples Day. And, and as is our practice, we remember that the land on which we meet is, was, and always will be native land. We acknowledge those indigenous tribes to Oklahoma, the Wichitas, Caddo's, Plains Apaches, and the Quapaws, as the original custodians of the land in this place. We grieve the violence done to native language, culture, and personhood, and seek to honor the sovereignty and dignity of native peoples. Let us take a moment of silence to honor them. It is so good to see you this morning, Mayflower. Um, I know I'm a bit of an unfamiliar face up here. My name is Emily Hugator. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. And my family and I have been members here at Mayflower for about seven years. Um, I have met many of you through my work here on the Board of Deacons, the Whitest Welcome slash A2A slash Wise Committee, um, the Music Board, and most recently, the Soprano section of the choir. <laughs> Today I'm honored and honestly like a little bit nervous because I have really big shoes to fill to be your worship leader this morning. Um, we are also thrilled to welcome to, as today's guest preacher our very own Sean Emerson, who has been a member here since 2000. And Sean recently graduated from Duke Divinity School with a Master of Arts in Christian Practices. <laughs> And we are so excited and grateful to be able to share in the next steps of his faith journey. Our beloved and fearless leader, the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, is on a well-deserved vacation this Sunday and will be back with us next week. We are wishing her our best for a relaxing and rejuvenating week away. In honor of today being Access Sunday, this prayer has been crafted collaboratively by members of UCC Disabilities Ministries, specifically Becca Anderson, and members of Mayflower's own Whitest Welcome Committee. Will you pray with me, please? Merciful God, we come before you today as people who are worried about those who are oppressed, marginalized, and forgotten. We confess that sometimes we ourselves forget about those made in your image. 
we confess that we do not speak up when people declare who can be the insiders in our church and in our community. Forgive us and create in us a way to keep our hearts, minds, and doors wide open with love and understanding. Help us to reach out beyond ourselves and learn about the joys of all communities. Give us the wisdom to learn that all people have gifts and abilities to share with our community of faith. We acknowledge that there is much work to be done. Our physical access has not been welcoming for all bodies. Our communication access has not accounted for every mind and communication style. Our attitudes and theologies remain shaped by a culture that does not love or value those who are differently abled, and untangling those beliefs is the work of a lifetime. Jesus told us that his greatest commandment is to love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He made no distinction between various members of society. He showed no partiality. In being called to love our neighbor, we are also called to recognize when our attempts have gone astray or fallen short. Holy One, let us be bold, creative, compassionate, thoughtful, empathetic, and faithful as we discover more ways to expand the beloved community. We ask for you to open our hearts and minds as we recognize that there is more wisdom to be gained and much more work to do on our journey towards full inclusion. Every Sunday, our community repeats in unison every single other. Holy One, help us make the steps every single day to fulfill that promise to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from Luke chapter 13, verse 34. It's just one verse, mercifully short this morning. Thank you, Pastor Sean. <laughs> Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. I first want to acknowledge how incredibly honored I am to have an opportunity to provide the message here this morning. I've been a member here since 2000, and I first came here after believing I would never find institutional religion again. And to my great surprise, I found it in overflowing abundance. And so thank you so very much for this opportunity. Um, I can tell you that I am truly humbled that Lori does this every single week and makes it look easy. Uh, wow. <laughs> so kudos to her, and uh, you all know what we have in a pastor like her. So for some of you, Already, some lectionary alarm bells have been going off when you hear this scripture. We're used to hearing this further into the Lenten season, near Easter, during the time of the Passion. So, if that's you, you can rest assured, you can relax. We're not starting Lent early this year. <laughs> what I'm doing here is... In divinity school, they teach you to look at the scripture from all different perspectives, from many, many multiple angles, 
And so in this particular, this, with this particular text, that's what I'm planning on doing with this at this time. Now this text comes toward the, the end of what scholars call a travel narrative. This is the narrative where Jesus and his disciples are coming down from Galilee and they're making their way to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration and of course, Jesus' ultimate death. Now, today's text, if it were in a film, would probably be the establishing shot for the last part of the film. This is the beginning of the end, so to speak. And the way it starts out is Jesus, or more likely Luke, the author here, um, takes one more jab at the Pharisees and the Jewish leadership. But then he launches into this mournful, mournful lament. And I think it is, this scripture has always impacted me from the very beginning because it reveals a very human, real side of Jesus that we rarely see elsewhere in the Bible. It, it provided for me such a moving glimpse of this Jesus in this moment of extreme vulnerability. Frankly, he's terrified, he's exhausted, and he knows the fate that awaits him. It almost seems like his, in his state of exhaustion that he feels like he feels the need to express his innermost emotions as the words almost come bursting out. I really empathize for him in this moment. But what really did this for me, what really cinched it for this particular text, I, have, I had a grandmother in southern Oklahoma who was a very humble, loving Southern Baptist and kind of a spiritual mentor for me. One, one day when I was visiting, I knew that she had grown up on a farm. And so I, we, we would talk about scriptures like these and discuss them and and uh, she had so much wisdom and insight. And I said, Grandma, what, what is it like when the hen gathers the chicks? I, I simply couldn't fathom that. And, and her eyes lit up immediately. And I could tell that this was a text that was near and dear to her heart. And then she began to describe the process. She said, oh, it's, it's one of the sweetest, most tender experiences that you can ever witness. In a moment of danger, the hen will send out a call. And that call is a very distinct call. It's an alarm call. And the babies all come running back. And the mother reaches out her wings and she pulls the babies in just as tightly as she can to her, to her breast. And then Nothing will come between those precious little ones except her own body. She's laying it all on the line. They will get to her chicks over her dead body. In that moment, for the very first time, I was able to imagine the manifestation of God, of Jesus, and the feminine identity. It was something that had never, had never entered my mind before, but 
he had many agrarian scenes that he could have chosen. But he deliberately chose this one, that of a mother hen. And so, of all the, yes, of all the agrarian metaphors he could have chosen, he chose this one because he felt like a mother who just wanted to protect her children but had been rejected by them instead. I could also see that my grandmother was deeply touched by this because, you see, she knew the futility of what it is like to try and reach someone who will not be reached as her oldest son died of a tragic suicide. She identified with this futility. Once I began to see this feminine identity being manifested in God, I began to see it everywhere. Let me think about it. Remember the encounter where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well? There she is no more than, she has little more status than a dog in the Jewish culture at that time. And what Jesus says to her, the statement that he makes to her is, I see you, I value you, and not only that, I love you. And the passage tells us, goes on to tell us that she was changed, she was transformed in that moment from those three words. They were nourishment to her soul. And so we can see that from the very beginning, Jesus is out there advocating very strongly for women and <clears throat> exhibits this feminine nature. Also, think about the encounter of Jesus with the, the men who are going to, to stone the purported adulteress. There, he indicts them for what they've done, and the, the paradigm that lasted from that, the Christian paradigm that lasted from that, still is a part of our culture to this very day, and the fact that we, uh, the fact that we propose a, an ethic that says, we judge ourselves before we judge others um, has existed in our, in our Western culture as a result of this. So we see that it's obvious that Jesus was dedicated to feminism from the beginning. But I doubt he would have been aware of that because he was simply preaching a message of unconditional love, empathy, and radical hospitality. It just so happens that these are qualities that, let's face it, men, come more naturally to women. That said, Jesus found a way to harness the feminism without being any less a man. I mean, he's really a guy's guy most of the time. He was staying out night fishing, all night fishing with the boys, trudging through the desert, camping in the wilderness, But when it came down to it, he knew that love and compassion are far more brave and honorable than macho pride and power. 
And this is yet another reason why Jesus had so much conflict coming from the Roman Empire. Because you see, empire doesn't want, doesn't win wars and conquer territories with compassion and empathy. And yet not much has changed today. The power hierarchy right here in this state, the very ones who claim to follow Jesus themselves, would rather appease the empire than provide medical access and hormone therapy to transgender youths who have already passed all the medical and psychological requirements to qualify. This, to me, is an act of sheer cruelty. They would rather be loyal to their political overlords than allow a child to end their suffering. It's unfortunate that we live in a time when the old established hierarchy of white men around the world and right here in our own state are on the ropes as they see the writing on the wall in a world of growing diversity and openness they seem to be lashing out in one last desperate attempt to retain their status and even the dark shadow of fascism has reared its ugly head all over the world as a result women are are the simplest and most vulnerable targets we see this in Iran, where Iran's Islamic theocracy is experiencing revolution fueled by years of oppression by the ultra-conservative religious leadership. This especially came to a head after the death of Masha Amini a few weeks ago. After this, the women of Iran had finally had enough. Now more than ever, we need God, the mother, to swoop in and cover us with her wings and protect us until we are safe. Now more than ever, we need to reclaim the feminine identity of God and rescue it from its captivity in the hands of white males. We can see that this was the very task of Jesus from the beginning. He wanted to change the narrative from a judgmental, frankly masculine God to that of a loving, nurturing peace-loving, inclusive God with more feminine qualities than macho. And so as an alternative to God the Father, may I suggest God the Mother. I realize for some of us this may make your head spin. Because that's only because we have been so used to this narrative that has been pushed of the masculine God. Now let me make a disclaimer here. For the orthodoxy police, I'm not attempting to upend Christian monotheism by adding a feminine identity to God. Rather, I'm attempting to reclaim the beauty of God's identity from a long-standing macho masculine image of God. The early church already tried this once. Some of the Alexandrian fathers attempted to use the Egyptian goddess from Egyptian mythology, Isis, and replace her with Mary. And yet, even to this day, Mary is just a little bit awkward. And why is that? I mean, let's face it, the Trinity has remained kind of an exclusive boys club for all these 2,000 years. So what we have ended up with is this image of God greatly overemphasized the macho, and this is nothing short of idolatry. 
I submit to you that I think it's high time we set this straight. In doing so, we can begin to recapture and harness the loving, nurturing identity of God, the mother. Because the truth is that God possesses the identity of every gender and every race. God both transcends and embodies everything that God has, has created. We are in accordance with the orthodox uh, t doctrine of the Imago Dei, which is simply Latin for the image of God. We are all created in the image of God. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, female, LGBTQ+, LGBTQ+ even the quote-unquote disabled, and on and on. We all have within us God's DNA. Something, by the way, Ancestry.com will never tell you. But to that end, we are all ex expected to fully express our identities, whatever they may be, and not suppress the creative power of God who reveals himself through many vast and diverse ways. So what does that mean for us? Well, I can tell you, for the men's group, you don't have to stop beating your drums. You don't have to stop discussing the latest advances in automotive technology. You just keep being who you are and do it to the fullest. The same can be said for the guild. The guild, what a strong tradition of feminism and uh, advocacy for women and have played such a major role in this church. We just simply keep on going. We all continue to express ourselves as fully and as deeply as we possibly can and we also advocate for others to do the same. So think of it this way. Any identity that we identify with God eludes, really eludes us. God's identity and the Hebrew name for which I will not mention, the Hebrew name for God, is simply, I am that I am, or I will be that I will be in some translations. And once again, that means that God is simply, we are not capable of fixing God into one particular identity. But when I think of that mother hen, that mother hen that reaches out and protects her, her little ones, I think that's Mayflower. I think that's what we've always been. We have always served as a place of safety for the marginalized, the scorned, and the weak and in advocacy for LGBTQ rights, black lives, immigrants, and now more than ever, for women. I have, to, I have to say that we will continue to reach our wings out and bring them all in close proximity and in solidarity and keep them safe until the threat has passed. And even more importantly, we will continue to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and we will not only look for those who are invisible in our community, we will look them straight in the eyes and we will say, I see you, I value you, and not only that, I love you.
You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.